Welcome, welcome, welcome to, okay, I need a little bit more volume. There we go, Sammy. Welcome to session number six, and I'm glad you're here with us tonight. Uh, there's going to be 10 sessions total, and I can tell you each one gets a little bit more interesting as we get closer to the end. So let's begin tonight in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you gave us advanced knowledge of what is going to happen to this earth. And Lord, you told us that there were certain um, things that we could do, that we could put our faith and trust in, and escape the coming horrors that are revealed in the Holy Scripture. So tonight, I pray that you would open our minds to understand the Scripture. Uh, seven times you said to the church in Revelation that those who have ears to hear should listen and understand. Tonight, I ask you in Jesus' name to give us ears to hear. And amen. In every one of these sessions, I have used the same scripture to start, the same one. And tonight, I want to look at it a little bit different, the same scripture, Luke 21, 33, at the end of the Olivet Discourse, Jesus says, heaven and earth are going to disappear. It's an announcement of a future event. But my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by what? Here's what I want to give you a little different perspective tonight. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. So carousing, what does it mean? I mean, that's what a cat does at night, right? It carouses. What, are you, what does it mean? Um, the New American Standard Bible translates that word um, uh, dissipation. And, and even that, it's not a very common word for us to really draw an analogy, uh, carousing and dissipation. Your kids come home, you know, have you been in dissipation tonight? You know, <laughs> we don't say that word very much. But I actually started looking into the word, and it is compared to the, the prodigal son. And, and it is, don't let, don't, don't. Don't walk away from the Father and get so wrapped up in the world that you forget about what it was like to be at home. And that's what he says. Watch out. Don't, 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 because it sneaks up on you. This carousing and drunkenness, it's enjoying what the world offers you. And, and the worries of life that comes while you're, while you're carousing and dissipation. You know, and, and it's a picture of <clears throat> there was a son who, who, who wanted to enjoy his life, so he gets his inheritance from his father and goes off and lives a carousing, drunkenness, dissipation life and finds himself in a pig pen. So when you're in the pig pen, there's a place to go home to, but don't forget about how to get back home, okay? So watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing, drunkenness, and the worries of this life. Why, Why is that a big deal? Because there's a, good, there's a day that's going to come at the end of your dissipation. There's a payday. Because that day, don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth and keep alert at all times and pray that you be strong enough to escape these coming horrors. Stand before the Son of Man. So last week, we stopped at what I said is an unspeakable horror. When the angel comes and said, there's three more trumpets left. Terror, terror, terror. Some translations say, woe, woe, woe. So let's, let's read that at verse 13, chapter 8. And then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air. Terror, 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 who all who belong to the earth. Now, now you could read the terror, terror, terror and, and miss the... Who's, who's got the terror? The ones who belong to the world. They're in the pig pen. They're, they're, in, they're caught up in dissipation, in carousing, in drunkenness, in the worries of this life. Do you think they would stay in the pig pen if they thought the day was approaching? You'd get out of the pig pen if you thought the day was approaching. That's why he said, don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. You need to live knowing that that day's coming. I don't know what that day is, so don't be in the pig pen today. Don't be caught in the worries of this life today. Because that day might be today. That day might be tomorrow, right? 
terror is coming to all who belong to this world because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their trumpets. And the real point that I'm going to link this together is this. These people who belong to the world have lost the opportunity to escape the coming horrors. It's too late. They were caught unaware like a trap. At this point, terror, terror, terror. You can't get out. In fact, I'm going to show you tonight, it's even worse than you can't get out. You'll want to die and you can't die. You can't even die. Terror, terror, terror. So here we go, the fifth angel and the fifth trumpet. And I just titled it, Hail Comes to the Earth. Revelation 9 verse 1. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet. And I saw a star that had fallen to the earth from the sky. And he, the star, was given a key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. So we've got this star who is representing of a person, an angelic being that has fallen to the earth and he's got a key. And the key's going to fit the doorway of the bottomless pit. And let me just tell you, I'll give you a heads up. He's going to open the door of hell and something's going to come out. Stay with me. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though it was from a huge furnace. And they were given power. These things that are coming out of this furnace. They were given power. Um, and, excuse me, I think I jumped ahead. Smoke poured out of the furnace and the sunlight and the air turned dark from the smoke. So this smoke-filled blackness. I try to use my imagination as you read it. This smoky blackness comes out of this abyss, out of this, out of hail, okay? Then the locusts came from inside the smoke. And they descended upon the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. So the doors open, and smoke comes out, and it's hot, and it looks like locusts. Look like insects, but they're not insects. They were told to not harm the grass or plants or trees. Now, if you've been in our earlier studies, they've already been under attack, right? Fire has already descended on all of those. So, locusts, this is not where you're going. Remember, it was a third, a third, a third. And now, now these locusts don't, don't harm the grass, don't harm the plants or the trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were told not to kill them, these, these lost people. Don't kill them, but torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. In those days, people will seek death, but they will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The locusts look like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads. So if, you're, if you always read this thinking they were insects, so hold on. I don't know what kind of insects you got around your house, but this is not what we have in our house in Birdie. They had, they looked like gold crowns on their heads and their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like women's hair and teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore armor made of iron and their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions. And for five months, they had the power to torment people. Now here it comes, listen. Their king, these, these locusts coming out of hell, their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. Okay, we're going to get into that in a minute. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, he is Apollyon, but both of them mean the same thing, the destroyer. And what do you think he's going to do? He's going to fulfill his name. The first terror has passed, but look, two more terrors are coming. So I want to read um, the following paragraph from Dr. David Jeremiah's book, The Book of Signs, about 
this scene, okay? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Dr. David Jeremiah. I think he's a godly man. God has given him Holy Spirit insight, and I read a lot of his material, and this is out of his book. Here's what he says. During the tribulation, demons will be allowed to leave hell and invade our world to kill and destroy. We're told this about the one who will be leading them. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. Abaddon and Apollyon both mean destroyer. In 1 John 10.10, I'm continuing his book. In 1 John 10.10, Jesus also calls Satan a thief. He says the thief comes not to, uh, not, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Yet in the same verse, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Satan's intent is nothing like Christ's. He doesn't give. Satan doesn't give. He takes. Satan doesn't preserve. He destroys. Satan doesn't increase. He lessens. Satan doesn't give life. He sucks it out of us. So understand that this angel coming out of the pit, he is under the ultimate, he is, he is under the ultimate authority of Satan himself. And, and he is, that's his mission, to destroy. So who is this? So let's, let's hold on, the, the, on, the, on the, the angel coming out of the pit, and let's go back and walk through this. Who is the star that has fallen from the earth that has a key that opens the terrible door anyway? Who, who is this star falling out of heaven, coming out of heaven, the open? Let me read it to you. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet. I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky. He was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he, so who do you get the key from? Who, who's got the key to hell? Stay with me. So whoever's got the key from hell is going to give it to this, this star, which is representative of an angel. Um, and when he, the angel star, opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and the air turned dark from smoke. This is probably an angelic being sent to carry out the will of God. He is not a demonic power. He's coming from the wrong direction to be a demonic power. He's coming out of the heavens. He's not a demonic power. The, the key belongs to God and to his Christ. The star would represent light, not darkness. So this star is an angel that has been given the key. And who has the key? Well, let's go to Revelation 1, verse 17. Verse, uh, 17. Um, what I'm about to read is when John first sees Jesus in his heavenly form, okay? Uh, so, when I saw him, verse 17, John said, I fell, I, I, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. So, so stop for a moment. Do you think John doesn't know who Jesus is? I mean, they spent three years together. But he knew Jesus in the, and he, said, he saw Jesus after the resurrection, right? Right. So, he's, he's, so why is he scared to death now? He's seeing Jesus in a way he has never seen Jesus. In his ultimate glory, Jesus. So he knows Jesus. He knows resurrected Jesus. And even though, even though he knows Jesus and resurrected Jesus, he falls down as if he's dead. Because he's seeing the glorious Jesus that his mind cannot hardly comprehend. He's afraid. But he laid, but Jesus laid his right hand on me, John, and said, don't be afraid, John. I'm, I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died. But look, I'm alive forever and ever. Give you an idea of what, what eternity is going to be like. If we're going to be like him and he just, what, he just looks like this? Listen, and, and John, I hold the keys of what? What do I got the keys? Of death and the grave. So who's, who's got the keys that are giving it to the star that's coming down to unlock hail? He's got, got the keys. 
So this is not Apollyon with coming out of heaven with the key. He is not the, Apollyon is not the star from heaven with a key to unlock the abyss. The angel being with the key is unlocking the demons that have been hailed, awaiting their final judgment at the end of time. So when Satan rebelled against God, obviously before the creation of the earth, um, it had to have happened before creation itself for our timeline, he took with him many angels. In fact, Revelation, there's a scripture that says that his tail swept a third of them out of heaven. So that a lot of people consider that to be a, that a third of the angels were, were in the rebellion against God joining with Satan. Uh, and I'm going to get to that number here toward the end. So this angelic being with the key is unlocking the demons that have been bound by God in a prison waiting the final judgment. Now, for us in the human years, that'd be over 6,000 years they've been in prison. Is anybody with me? Because if this event happened before the creation of the earth, that we know that right now we're about 6,000 years into this thing. So these angels, these, these demonic beings have been in prison. And, and, and by the way, it's in the New Testament. It's in 2 Peter verse 4. Listen to what he says. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. Okay, so Satan and those who join with Satan, God did not spare the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell. This is in the New Testament. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness. What, this door is cracked open, right? Gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. So that you know I'm not making this up. So this, this, they're in there. They've been in there a long time. And now... The key has opened the door, and here they come. They look like locusts, but they come to destroy. This fifth judgment will bring torment upon the people of the earth. Torment during the tribulation. When the pit is open, I want to read it again. Smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and the air turned black from the smoke. Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth. And they were given power to sting like scorpions. Now, this is not the beginning of the tribulation. We're, we're in the fifth seal. Y'all remember the, uh, the fifth trumpet, excuse me. Remember, we've gone through seven seals, and now we've got five trumpets. And every, a third of the earth's on fire, and the water's polluted. And, it, and on top of that, they've just opened up hell, and now smoke's coming out to cover, uh, cover us up as well. Do you see how horrible this is? This is, this is they're stacking on top of each other. These events aren't ending and starting. They're cumulative. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Terror, terror, terror. Are those locusts demonic insects or are they demons? Fallen angels being temporarily released from their prison. Do they look like insects to you? They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads and their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like a women's hair, teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore arm, armor made of iron and their wings roared like army of chariots rushing into battle. Now, I've heard a lot of people over the years in my lifetime say, well, they didn't really have words to describe military armament back then, but these are helicopters. You know... I, Maybe they're helicopters. I just, you know, I just think they are what they are. Um, the, these are coming out of hail. I just don't see helicopters coming out of hail. You know, then, then what happens when you start thinking like that is you try to use figurative language to describe everything in Revelation rather than taking anything literally. Is there figurative language in Revelation? Of course there is. But is there literal language in Revelation? Of course there is. So, until I have other reason, they are locusts. They're not helicopters. They're, they're demonic powers that are being released. They are what God has maybe turned them into. I don't know. They've been locked in this dungeon waiting judgment of the last day for a long time. And guess what? They're going to get out for a little while. Why? Why would God do that? Who are they stinging? Believers? 
No, they're not. Who are they stinging? The ones that are going to join them. Do you see that? They're stinging the ones that are going to go to hell with them. That are going to join them. Whoa. They look like locusts, but they're not allowed to harm the vegetation of the earth. No, they are sent specifically to torment people. They were told not to harm the grass, plants, or trees, but only the people. Only the people who what? Who do not have the seal. Now, one of the previous sessions, we, we, it was clearly defined who's got the seal. We, we know that there's one group specifically that has the seal on their forehead. It's the 144,000 that have been sealed. They're all Jewish. They're 12,000 times 12, all from the 12 tribes of Israel. They're Jewish. The only protection from this demonic invasion is the seal of God on their forehead. Now, I kind of smile because I just think I could talk for a week on that sentence alone. The only protection from this demonic invasion is the seal of God on their forehead. What's the seal of God? It's the seal of ownership. You belong to him. Who's getting tormented? The ones who belong to the world. If you got the seal, you don't belong to the world. You belong to God. That, that dreadful locust comes to you, sees the seal. He can't touch you. He can't touch you. He's got to fly on. He's not going to be able to sting you. So what about right now? What about right now? The Holy Spirit is the seal of God's ownership. And Satan cannot do anything to you outside of what God allows him to do to you when you are sealed. So when I read this, the only protection from the demonic invasion is the seal of God. Then and now. It's the same. We know that the 144,000 have this seal. They are safe and they are unharmed by these demons. The demonic sting doesn't kill. It only torments for five months to, to the point that they desire to die, but they can't die. Let that process in your mind a minute. How bad is it that, that how bad is this five months? Five months, okay? Five months. That you're in such agony for five months that you, you wish you could die, but for some reason you can't do it. It's pretty, pretty bad pain. It does not appear that natural human forces can kill these demons. So if you think you can just get your great big old flies water, <laughs> clean them out, that's highly unlikely. <clears throat> Why? A lie will take the flies water away from you. <laughs> the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads and their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like women's hair and their teeth like teeth of a lion. They wore armor, kind of hard to, like iron, kind of hard to swat those things. And their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. So that, that kind of describes, the, okay, there's an angel with a key, he unlocks, here comes the demons. What about their leader? Who is he? Some believe that he is a fallen archangel who serves Satan. Be one prominent thought. By the way, I'll just tell you, I lean more toward that direction. Others believe he's Satan himself. But I got a real theological problem with this is Apollyon is Satan. I don't think Apollyon, Abaddon is Satan. I think Apollyon works for Satan. They all work for Satan. Because Satan was the one that got them kicked out of heaven and thrown into prison in the first place. Satan is the one singular that Jesus says is the evil one. But there's more than one in hell. So why does he call, why does he call out evil one? Because ultimately one was responsible. He led the other ones into the deception, into the rebellion. But there's evil one. And no, I don't think he's Apollyon. Um, and I want to show you... Oh. Why I say that. Satan is not condemned to be locked up in the abyss. So where's Apollyon coming from? In this, in this um, fifth uh, trumpet, where does he come from? He's been locked in the abyss. Do you think Satan's locked in the abyss? Not now. 
not, not now. He's the prince of this world right now. He, he's roaming around seeking to kill, steal, and destroy like a roaring lion, right? He's not locked up. That's why I have a hard time with the idea that, that Apollyon or Abaddon is Satan. But listen, there is a time in the future that the Bible says he is going to be locked up, but not in this scene. So let me read that to you. <clears throat> in Revelation 20, when Jesus comes at the end of the seven-year tribulation, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, and, and he's going to take the Antichrist and the false prophet, and he's going to throw them into, into hell. I guess he's going to open the door and throw them in there, shut the door. They're going into hell. But Satan goes into where? He, he goes into prison. He's, for a thousand years, he's going to be locked up. But it's not until the end of this seven-year tribulation. Not, not during the trumpet, the fifth trumpet. So it says this. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit. Kind of sounds like what we're talking about tonight, right? And, and he's got a heavy chain in his hand. And he, this angel coming out of heaven, he seizes the dragon, that old serpent who's the devil, Satan. In case you ever wonder, I always thought the wording on here is pretty incredible. So, so that nobody could mistake who we're talking about who's going to jail. It gives him the dragon, the old serpent, the devil, Satan. You know, every name you think about, he's all listed so that you're not confused about who he's talking about. And bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit. Again, sounds like we're this other thing for a thousand years. And he shut and locked it so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Now, I, I want you to notice something. It's not in your notes, but I want you to notice something. So... These beings that are in the prison, let's just say there's demons that have been there for 6,000 plus, who knows, 6,000 years before the creation of the earth, okay? They're not dead. They're conscious. You, you, you better get this. They're conscious. I wouldn't call it life, but they're alive from the perspective of consciousness. And even Satan goes in there and comes out with consciousness. The person goes in and comes out as the person. You, you retain your personness in this place. So this idea that somehow or another you're going to fade to black unconsciousness, you made that up. This place of hell is a place of torment in which you will be you and you'll know that you're you. And you'll be in there and you can't get out. But you'll want to die and you can't die. You'll want to die, but you can't die. Everybody in hell would want to die. Because the idea of die is what? The idea of die from our human perspective is that I would cease to have consciousness. But that's a misnomer because you can't cease to have consciousness here. These demons have been locked away for thousands of years and yet they consciously come out in whatever form they were when they went in. Kind of sobering thought, isn't it? Abaddon means destruction. It is a synonym for death. It is also found three times in Job, one in Psalms, two in Proverbs. Let me just read a couple of you. In Job, this, we're looking for this Abaddon. Well, where'd that name come from? Again, I, I just have to believe it's a work of Satan. Okay, let it be clear. It's a work of Satan. Destruction is a work of Satan. I don't think it's the person of Satan. The depart, uh, Job 26. The departed spirits tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Naked is Sheol, which is a, another name for, for the grave. Naked is Sheol before him, and Abaddon has no covering. So that name appears in Job. Kind of a mystery. And then in Proverbs, it says, Sheol, the grave, and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. The grave is open before the Lord. What? Um, you, kind of look at, you can kind of look at hell as the grave, right? And he opens the grave and the locusts come out. 
And then he's going to throw Satan into the grave and close the door. So the grave, notice it says, uh, Sheol, the grave, and Abaddon lies open before the Lord. And how much more the heart lies open before the Lord. Which means right now, he knows your heart. He, it, our heart lies open before the Lord. So, the pit is open. Let's summarize this one. The pit is open. People want to die. Don't sting those who are sealed on the foreheads. Is that not bad enough? Let's go to the sixth trumpet. Verse 13. And then the sixth angel blew his trumpet. And I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, here it comes, release the four angels who are bound. And I want you to notice the wording. Four angels. These angels are bound. What, 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 is, what about the locusts? They've been bound too, but now they're, let, they're, they're set free, right? They're behind the door. The door open. They're not bound. Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour, bound at the Euphrates River, for this, prepared for this hour, day, and month, and year, were turned loose to do what? To kill one-third of all the people on the earth. Whew. I heard the size of their army. Are you ready? Now, we got four angels bound. But who's working under the authority of the four angels? I heard the size of their, these four evil destruction angels' army. The size of those following them was 200 million mounted troops. So I'm going to get into it in a minute, but I want you to unplant a thought in your mind. How big is this spiritual war? How, how big is this? You got four angels who are bound at the Euphrates River, and behind the four angels are 200 million demonic powers that are going to take one-third of the earth's population and kill them. Verse 17, and in my vision I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions. It's not a regular horse, is it? And fire and smoke and burning sulfur billows from these horses' mouths. And one-third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues, by the fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses. Their power was in their mouths, this horse. Their power is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails had heads like snakes with the power to injure people. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent. <laughs> I'm going to get into that in a minute. I find that to be... This is one of the most incredible scriptures I've ever read. Always has been to me. The people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, and they did not repent of their witchcraft, and they did not repent of their sexual immorality, and they did not repent of their thefts. Whew. From the gold altar in heaven, the command goes out. Let's, look, let's break this down. Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphra river Euphrates. Holy angels in heaven are not bound. So we're not talking about holy angels in heaven. These are evil powers that have been bound by God, just like the locust, waiting for the tribulation. 
these four unholy angels will lead an army of 200 million strong to kill one third of the humans on the earth. And just in case you're having trouble with the scale, these 200 million army, there are only 320 million people in America. There's 320 million people living in the United States these days, roughly. I didn't count them this morning, so it's, it's a rough number. So there's 200 million evil army following these four angels. I'll ask you again, how big is the spirit war? How big is this? This is not a human upon human war. It's not. They don't kill by human means. The demonic locust in the fifth trumpet were not allowed to kill. They could only torment. But these, these, they are allowed to kill. That's their job, to kill one-third of the earth's population. The Euphrates River, what's significant about that? It runs through Babylon. Babylon is the origin. Uh, there's a great, I mean, there, there's so much we could study about this Mystery Babylon and Babylon and idolatry because ultimately the, everything comes out of this word called idolatry. So this Euphrates River runs through Babylon and Babylon in the Bible is the origin of human idolatry. So where do you think the Tower of Babel comes from? So this Babylon, the Tower of Babel, it, all of it, this Nimrod and a lot of these characters in the Old Testament, it, it all finds its origin in idolatry, the worship of a power other than God. Thus the mystery Babylon whore or prostitute, will appear later in the Revelation only to be destroyed by God. Now, I want to do something. There is significance to the fact that these four demonic angel powers that have a 200 uh, angel or 200 demonic million behind them, why are they bound in Babylon? Babylon. Why, why are they bound in the Euphrates River? It doesn't say Babylon. But what is significant about this scene? So let's, let's, let's pause in the, in the story for a moment and let's go to Revelation 17 and uh, this Babylon whore, this Babylon prostitute. What is it? And what did it do that brought God's wrath upon the earth? Here we go. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness, and then I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. And she had seven heads and ten horns, and blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing. Let me back up. This woman, this blasphemies against God written all over it. So there's your first. Okay. This is the enemy of God. Blasphemies of God. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her, in this woman's hands, she held a gold goblet full of obscenities. So we got blasphemies and we've got obscenities. Where, where's this stuff coming from? She has a gold goblet full of obscenities and impurities of her immorality. This a mysterious name was written on her forehead. Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes, and obscenities of the world. What do you think it means mother? The birthplace. The origin. Where does it come from? Where does what come from? Obscenities. Blasphemies. This whoredom. This um, rebellion against God. Hatred of God. Where does it come from? Verse 6. I could see that she's drunk. This, this Babylonian whore. I can see she's drunk. What's she drunk on? She's drunk with the blood of God's holy people who, are, who were witnesses for Jesus. Blood. She, she's part of the killing. Right? She's part of the killing. So these, these four 
beings, the angels coming out of the Euphrates River, what are they coming to do? Kill a third of the earth. The blood. I could see she's drunk. Drunk with the blood of God's holy people. And what's the, what's the definition of the holy people? Those who were witnesses of Jesus. You're going to die. If you're a witness of Jesus, you're going to die. So, li listen. I told you earlier that the, the, the locusts couldn't get um, the 144,000 with the seal. Okay? And maybe I misled you a little bit because that doesn't mean that everybody's protected during the tribulation. In fact, the opposite is true. The locusts cannot kill the 144,000, but the locusts can kill, and, and there will be all kinds of powers that can kill anybody else, believer and non-believer. In fact, what's the Antichrist do during the tribulation? What does he do? You either bow to him or he cuts your head off. You know, which is worse, getting stung by a locust or, you know, you cut your head off. So the idea is that a third of the people on the earth dying, they're not, you know, inside of this death are also uh, tribulation saints. Tribulation saints. They might be, listen, they might be primarily... Well, carefully when I use the word, primarily Jews that have come to faith during the tribulation. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. Also, some Gentiles have come to faith during the tribulation, and they're going to die. Oh, they're going to die. Under the altar. What was that session? How long, O oh Lord, before you come bring justice? And he says, I'm going to give you a white robe because there's a bunch more coming. There's a bunch of them going to die, Right? I'm going to go back up and read Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities of the world. I could see she's drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people who are witnesses for Jesus. And I stared at her in complete amazement. So let's stop for a moment in this horrible scene. We got four angels leading 200 million w wicked supernatural beings into battle on the earth. And consider the spirit war that's taking place today. I can tell you for the next few weeks here, even on Sunday morning, I'm going to focus on this spirit war. And um, I just ask you again, how, how big do you think this thing is? I'm, I'm going to show you in a minute. It's bigger than your mind can comprehend and mine too. The only thing, so when I say spirit war, do y'all get what I'm talking about? That our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against demons, against these this power that's above us and beyond us. And it's huge and it's powerful. And here, here's my point. The only thing holding back these horrible tribulation events right now, this second, there's one thing holding back the tribulation. Because the, the, the tribulation is the, the kingdom of the Antichrist. The seven years is the kingdom of the Antichrist. He will come and reign on this earth during those seven years. So he's, he's a king and he's got a kingdom. And the only thing holding back the kingdom of the Antichrist, the only thing that holds back this um, evil world power is what? The only thing holding back is the Holy Spirit. You got one... One single spirit war power holding back what this demonic horde is. One power, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is where right now? The Holy Spirit is in the church which abides on the earth. But one day after the rapture, the Antichrist will come and usher in a time of destruction known as the tribulation. One light holding back the great darkness right now. And, and I want to go back. I'm going I'm to keep connecting these dots. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3. The Apostle Paul told us about the spirit war. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until the great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is revealed. The one who brings what? Say it out loud. What do you think the tribulation is? The Antichrist is the one who brings destruction. When he becomes king of the earth, 
God's wrath will come down upon the earth. He brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what's holding him back, right? You know what's holding him back. You are. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. There's the spirit war. And it will remain secret until the one, the Holy Spirit church, who is holding it back, steps out of the way. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I had a vote, I'd be stepping out of the way today. I don't get a vote. Only when his time comes. God will decide the day the church steps out of the way. Now, back to the four bound angels that have been set loose to lead this massive demonic army into battle. The rider wore armor. The riders wore armor that was fiery red, dark blue, and yellow. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One third of all the people on the earth were killed by these three plagues, by the fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the horses, from the mouth of the horses. Their power was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails had heads like snakes with the power to injure people. This is a spirit war that will come upon those who have rejected God's protection and salvation. Now understand something. I'm going to say it again. It said specifically, I read it earlier, that the seal, they could not, the locusts could not sting those with the seal. But I'm going to make it clear. This 200 million war with one third of people dying does not exclude those tribulation saints that come to Christ. More than likely, they will die too. Okay? Make sure everybody gets that. The spirit war will come upon those who rejected God's protection and salvation. Why have I been starting every session with the same verse? Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap, or that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. But pray that you be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. That's why. Once you enter it, listen, everybody listen, once you cross over into the tribulation, it's highly unlikely that you're going, I'm going to show you in a minute, it's highly unlikely that you have any opportunity as a Gentile who came out of a church. Highly unlikely that you would have any opportunity not only to find, not only to live, but also to find salvation. Highly unlikely. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying highly unlikely. I talked about that last week. That scripture that he says that God will give them a spirit of delusion. So, and, and I'm going to show you in a minute why I say that. Notice the conclusion of the sixth trumpet woe. The survivors still refuse to repent and turn to God. This is one of the most amazing scenes in all of the Bible. The people on earth are dying by the very power that God desires to save and protect them from. Did, did you get what I said? They're dying from the very power that God offered to save them from. So they're dying from the very thing that Jesus came to save you from. The power of sin, death, and hell. But sin, death, and hell are coming up and killing people. But the people, let me read it to you. The people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons. Idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols they can either see, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, or their witchcraft, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Now, let me ask you a practical question. Why not? When you watch everybody die, and the whole world's turned upside down, wouldn't you think, come on, wouldn't you think naturally that you'd fall on your face in front of God and ask Him to save you? But they're not. Why? They refuse to repent. So I'm going to say something. 
If you study the scripture, there is a spiritual truth that nobody wants to say out loud today. I'll say it out loud. You know what it is? There is no forgiveness without repentance. And what, 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 are, what do they refuse to do in the tribulation? They refuse to repent. Now, I'm not saying in the tribulation that that, that could... In the tribulation, there's a point of no return anyway, especially in the death, physical death. Salvation is a, different, a deeper subject. I'm talking about now. I'm talking about right now. Before we get to the tribulation, there's no... There's no forgiveness without repentance. And what wouldn't they do? They wouldn't repent. Let me read it to you. They wouldn't repent of their murders, their witchcraft, their sexual immorality, and their thefts. Why not? It's a good question. But there is no forgiveness without repentance. So let's do the seventh trumpet. Verse 15. And then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and they were... There were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become a kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. That's the first good news I've had during the tribulation. I'm going to say it again, okay? I heard a loud voice. There's a loud voices shouting in heaven. Seventh trumpet. Loud voices shouting in heaven. What are they shouting? The world, the world, this thing that's on fire, right? Covered in locusts. The world has now become the kingdom of the kingdom of our Lord, that's God the Father, and His Christ. There's Jesus the Son. And He will reign, Jesus the Son will reign forever and ever. Okay, stay with me. Because you're going to think, well, this thing's over. Ah, no, it's not. No, it's not. You're wrong. But the announcement has come. The 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and they worshiped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God, the almighty, the one who is and who always was. For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. Again, you think it's over. Not, no, he's assumed, but he has not exercised his authority yet. Stay with me. The nations were filled with wrath. But now, here comes the announcement, the time of your wrath, God, has come. It's time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. And then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. There's a lot going on in that scene. The seventh trumpet announces the coming conclusion of the spirit war. The world. What is the coming conclusion? I want you to get it. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he will, when that starts, he will reign forever and ever. So let me, right now here, I want to connect the dots because it's right here. Can you remember how all this started? This whole tribulation? What, what, what triggered the tribulation? What was it? The father held a scroll sealed with seven seals in his hand. And he handed it to the lamb from the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne. And notice what happens after that. And I want you to compare that to this scene of the seventh angel and the seventh trumpet that I just read. So now I'm, I'm rewinding. I'm rewinding back to the scroll in the hand of the father. Revelation 5, 8. And when he, Jesus, took the scroll from the father... The four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Did you just see that happen up there? It's the same exact thing that just happened in Revelation 11 during the seventh trumpet. Well, stay with me. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense. 
which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll. That's the, what, what's the scroll? Um, the title deed of planet earth. You, 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 you can take it, it's yours. It all belongs to you. You are worthy to take control of the earth and to break its seals. That's the beginning of the tribulation and to open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people from God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them, you have caused them to be a kingdom, a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will, future tense, reign on the earth. At this point, so at this point, the earthly kingdom of Christ is quickly approaching. When the seventh angel blows the seventh trumpet, it is announcing the coming kingdom of Christ. But not yet. There is still more that must happen first. There's more wrath of God. The nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. And what do you think is about to happen next? It is time to destroy those who brought destruction on the earth. And before Jesus comes to reign, that's exactly what's about to happen. Those who brought destruction on the earth are going to be destroyed. So even though he's announced the kingdom, he hasn't taken possession. Not yet. The eternal earthly kingdom of Christ, 1,000 years on the present earth, and then on the new earth is coming. Also announced through the prophet Daniel, 500 years before Christ. So I'm going to stop in Revelation and I want to do something. I want to, I want to back up to about 580 years before Christ, some 500 years before Jesus, and the prophet Daniel writes something. And I, here's what it does. I hope, I hope you have ears to hear and eyes that can see, because here's what it does. All this starts going together. 500 years before Christ. I watched as thrones were put in place. And the ancient one sat down to judge. Okay, so God is assembling the courtroom. Okay? His clothing was as white as snow and his hair as pure as wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. And a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood around him. So again... How big do you think the spirit war is? Millions ministered to him and many millions stood around him. Listen. Then the court began its session. And the books were opened. And I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. Who is the little horn? The Antichrist. Okay? He's revealed in Daniel. I heard the little horn boastful speech. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and its body was destroyed by fire. The other three beasts had their authority taken from them and they were allowed to live a little while longer. As my vision continued that night, I saw... Someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Somebody say hallelujah. In this scene, 500 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem, the little horn and one that looks like a son of man coming out of heaven appear in the spiritual war. Right? Two players. He, coming out of the clouds of heaven, approached the ancient one, the father, and was led into his presence. What did I just read? I told you session three was the one that cinched it for me. When Jesus approaches the Father and he hands him the scroll. When the Son, the Lamb approaches the Father and he gets the scroll. Look at Daniel. He approached the Ancient One. I'm going to go back to 13. 
And in my vision, continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority. Here comes the scroll in his hand. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. So the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. This is 500 and something years before Christ. But notice the, the, little, the little horn boastful speaker is in the scene. The Antichrist is in here. So let's jump down to verse 26. But then the court passed judgment. So what? The ancient of days is holding court. The court passed judgment and all his power was taken away. This antichrist was taken away and completely destroyed. Then the sovereignty, the power, and the greatness of all the kingdoms of our heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, will last forever and all rulers will serve and obey him. That was the end of the vision. I, Daniel, was terrified by the thoughts and my face was pale with fear, but I kept these things to myself. This angel, the seventh angel, announces that the kingdom of Christ will soon arrive on the earth. And the saved will receive their reward, and the lost will be judged and sentenced to hell. John then sees this. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened, and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. So how is that for a conclusion of the seventh trumpet scene? You've probably noticed that Revelation chapter 10, and if you all have been really studying as we go through this, you've probably noticed that Revelation chapter 10, the angel and the small scroll and 11, the two witnesses, are recorded events between, between the sixth and the seventh trumpet blast. Did you all notice that? I hope you all are reading it yourself. Many call these types of scenes parenthesis events, which means they're pauses where God reveals other revelations past and present. And I am going to cover them in chapter 12 in our next session. So tonight, I want to do something. I want to close uh, as we opened with that scripture. Heaven and earth are going to disappear. But my words, and I want to hold it up, they're not going to disappear. This is it. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. Don't let the worries of this life catch you on that last day. Don't let that catch you unaware like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. So one more time, I'm going to ask you, how big is this spirit war? Let me give you a scale. I want this to be in your mind when you leave tonight. 200 million unholy angels are bound by God at the Euphrates River. 200 million. They're going to be released in the tribulation at the trumpet, and they're going to kill a third of the earth's population. How big is the spirit war? On top of that, there are un, um, unnumbered, I, I, there's no number of these locusts, these demonic powers held in gloomy dungeons, in dark smoke, torment that are going to be released to sting and for five months on the earth in the tribulation so bad will that suffering be that people will beg to die but you can't die so how big is this how big 200 million and innumerable locusts released from hell how big is it so one more number it says there's millions of angels 
attending to him, the one who sits on the throne. Millions and many millions surround him. How big is this? These aren't people. These, these aren't humans. These are angels. This is, this is a spiritual war. How, how big is this? Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap for that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. But stay alert at all times and pray that you'd be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. So I'm going to do what I didn't do last week. Sammy Alvis fussed at me after it was all over, which he does that normally. But um, I'm not going to do an invitation right now, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to stay up here. I believe there are people in this room tonight that need to make decisions. In fact, uh, just in probably a few minutes, 10, 15 minutes maybe, uh, the high school um, ministers bring in two from his student ministry to be baptized tonight, just in a little while. So, um, <laughs> the purpose of these sessions for the tribulation that God put on my heart is you have to tell people what's coming. I, Terry, you have to tell people what's coming. Your job is to warn them. What they do with the warning will be on them. There are people in this room tonight that need to repent of some stuff. And those people in the tribulation, when all hell's breaking loose and everybody's dying, and they're going to die, but they won't repent. It makes you wonder, who would do that? And yet, I see people every week in church who are just in the exact same situation. You won't do it either. You won't do it either. And that day's going to catch you unaware like a trap. Why? Why do I say that? There is no forgiveness of sin without repentance. Do you understand that? Because repentance means you're going to turn and face God. Unrepentance means you have turned your back to Him. You've turned your back on God. So He just says simply, turn around, face me. Turn around and face me. Repent, and I'll receive you back as my child. But face me. So I'm going to hang out up front, whatever the Holy Spirit's doing. I just don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. Father, tonight we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you told us we could escape all this. And Lord, we're marked with the Holy Spirit. Sin, death, power, grave, hell, none of this has any power over us because life lives inside of us. Jesus lives inside of us. We're marked. We're, we're possessed by the Spirit of the Most High God. We're saved. So even if death, even if death, we die, natural causes or some tragedy, our soul is forever yours. We are sealed. We are the blood-bought children of the Most High God. And tonight, Lord, if there's anybody here tonight that has sin, unrepentant sin, I pray that you would show it to them so that they might give that over to you and find forgiveness. And Father, if there's anybody here tonight that doesn't know you, that doesn't have the Holy Spirit, that has not been sealed by your presence, that they would do that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.